everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And this is the second episode of the Demigod Dish, where we're going to be talking about episodes three and four of Percy Jackson and the Olympians. And can I just say, episode three has been, like, I can't stop talk- thinking about episode three in particular. <laughs> I actually like feel like that about episode four also it just really? was like over like it was over so fast yeah we'll talk about that I episode four was only 30 minutes and I think they could have done more more yeah and I wish that they had but it was like it's getting so good and we're already halfway over like yeah what are we gonna do when it's over what are we supposed to do I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to reread the books. But You're going to rewatch Doctor Who. <laughs> we were just talking about that. <laughs> I'm like uh, sitting on the precipice of rewatching all of Doctor Who, starting with the ninth Doctor, which is like quite the hill to climb for me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, is it going to happen? Maybe not. However, it could. It could. Um, the main reason is because I finished The Gilded Age. So we talked about that last time. Alex watched it. She loved it. I binged it really quickly. I've been begging every person I know to watch it. Yeah, because it's spectacular. And I'm I so finished glad it, you loved it. But I finished it and I'm like, I physically don't know what to do now. Okay, but you weren't there when the finale happened and then we had to wait like days to find out if it was going to be renewed. At least you went in knowing season three is happening. That's true. Like when I was watching that final episode, I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy I know this is renewed. <laughs> it's so good. Like It's so petty. It's so petty. I love Railroad Daddy. Capitalism Railroad Daddy. I also, like, love that the joke is that nothing happens, but, like, things do happen. So much happens. Like, (laughs) that was the joke, and then I get to, like, a certain episode where I was like, oh, my God, this person just shot themselves in the head. I was like, I thought nothing happened. (laughs) Yeah, Railroad Daddy is... Not to be messed with. Yeah, exactly. He's a very good husband and father. He's a wife guy. Yes. That that's a my wife guy. Like, but he's and, like, very scary. And a I just want to also speak on Carrie Coon, his wife. Um <sighs> she's amazing in the show. She's probably my favorite character. She's Bertha definitely. Russell. She's amazing. I honestly I go back and forth on her and Aunt Agnes. Um mm. who I can't remember her name, but she was, you know, in Mamma Mia. Um, uh, Christine Baranski. Yes, yes. Because I just, both of them, the pettiness is so good. Like, I want to be Aunt Agnes when Aunt I'm Agnes doesn't even old. have to speak and she just, like, radiates whatever. Like, her body language. She, like, she just, she you radiates know. it. <laughs> you just know. <laughs> like, people are like, Aunt Agnes is not going to like this. And I'm thinking, she doesn't like anything. Don't worry about it. She hates everything. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, Alex had mentioned that she had like a ship. And then I started watching it and I messaged her and I'm like, I have a ship and they haven't even talked. And she was like, yep, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they do talk eventually. They do. They do. And I mean, that ship is sailing. But I agree. I think that they are headed for bumpy waters. Knowing, okay, I'm an avid Downton Abbey follower and knowing Julian Fellows, the creator of both of these shows, like... It's gonna go. It's something's gonna happen next season. <laughs> but do you think that they are end game? But it's gonna be like yeah, a hard. It's road? gonna be a rough, rough path. Like some people are joking that I mean, you watched Downton Abbey what like the first few seasons, oh, it's the few, first few seasons, yeah. So like you know, uh, I guess like we're far enough out from Downton Abbey that I can slightly spoil Downton Abbey. It's 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 been a while. Okay, it's been so a while. I'm, I'm gonna spoil it. Um, so Mary, um, and her cousin, what's his name? The Matthew, the Beast, Matthew, the Beast. Matthew. Yes. Um, they are happily wedded, and then he gets killed off. 
That is so true. So true, Bestie. One one person did make the point that Dan Stevens wanted the hell out. <laughs> like he didn't want to be there. So mm. they killed him off. And it, it sounds like the actor who plays one of the romantic interests that we're a fan of is very enthusi- enthusiastic about the Gilded Age. So, so that's good. Hopefully, yeah. I, I wonder, though, if Dan Stevens didn't want out of Downton, like what would have happened? That probably would have been, they either would have introduced some other kind of intrigue or, I mean, it could have just been them as a married couple just yeah. like dealing with regular married people yeah. problems, you know? That's what I like about George and Bertha. Yeah, you they, never get that. You never get like that strong married couple. Mm-hmm. Because, like, they love each other. Like, at the end of the day, like, normally in shows like this, I feel like with the married couples, it's like, you know, the man is older or it was arranged or they're not into each other. But, like, these two people love each other so much. And, like, they do fight and not see eye to eye. But it is such a good representation. And I'm like, it's so rare. Like, you don't normally see stuff like that. And George, like, makes it very clear that he wants, like, love matches for his children. Like, he doesn't want to just, like, have an arranged marriage for either child. So it's clear that that's important to him. And I really love that about him, even though he is a crazy capitalist railroad daddy. (laughs) If he wasn't such a crazy capitalist railroad daddy, like, you know... (laughs) Um, no, but you weren't there, like, when the episodes were coming out and people would just, like, meme the heck out of the fact that they're in love with him, but also they hate him. <laughs> I know, because, like, the whole second season, he's literally fighting unions. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, just just pay them a fair wage and he won't do it. <laughs> yeah. But, like, that does make me wonder, like, do we know if he in Bertha were arranged or a love match? Probably not arranged because they're I new don't know. money. Well, they're they're based off the Vanderbilts, right? But I don't know how strict they are to the Vanderbilts real lives. They're, it'll be interesting to see how season three plays out, especially with Gladys. Yeah. Because, because that plot that Gladys has all actually played that did out actually with the happen. Vanderbilts. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not spoiled. I just... You know, you yeah. guys should watch The Gilded Age and then you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then you can be introduced to um, the inventor of the clock. <laughs> did you like that plot? I know like, we've been joking about it, but like, did you like it? It's It was very random, but like, I didn't hate it. <laughs> I like him. Like, I like, I like um, yeah. John the Footman. Like... But he's going to get rich now, and they're going to have to replace him, probably. Probably. But, like, I did... I, I it, it was just so funny, because, like, they would talk about it, and it, it really... I could f- just... I saw, like, all the memes immediately, because mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, yeah, he really is like, I'm making clock. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I, I find it really interesting, just, like, the time period, because this is, like, 30 years before the start of Downton Abbey, right? And how different it is in the UK to America. Because, like, in the UK, 30 years later, during Downton Abbey, the whole drama is that, like, the monarchy's kind of dismantling. Like, like they don't have the money to upkeep their big castles anymore. (laughs) But then in America, it's like, you can be anyone and you can make it. Like, that's the message happening in the Gilded Age. And it's, like, way before all that stuff is happening. You do already see that with, like, the old money people. Like, dealing with those things. But anyway, yes, the Gilded Age, like, the costumes, the people. Do you think in the third season they would do a musical episode? Yeah. They better. Because it's all Broadway talent on this show they can Mm -hmm. all sing i've heard i think i saw an interview where they were talking like someone asked like oh there's so many like tony award-winning stage actors on your you know on your cast like is there singing happening between the scenes and they said yeah some people (laughs) are singing and um and then like i saw a behind the scenes video about the costumes i don't know if i sent it to you because it was before you watched but they were talking about bertha's 
costumes and how they're not necessarily as historically accurate but that's because she's like avant-garde and they're trying to like push her fashion to be like new like trying to set a trend which is so interesting and you can feel that always like the way that the second season opens up and they all have like their little easter outfits Mm -hmm. like the russells their hats are insane (laughs) (laughs) like and you can see that it's like just visually, like, they don't fit in. It's mm-hmm. very obvious that they've come from something else. And it's been interesting to see how the old money are like, oh, do I, like, we kind of have to either conform with the new or get left behind because they're not going anywhere. Yeah. But then, like, the young people, like Marion, she's just, she'll go wherever she wants to. But she also didn't grow up in that like society mm-hmm. so she's not tied down to either side so much oh marion girly pop <laughs> <laughs> yeah i the show's really really good i don't know what i'm gonna do now that's why i'm contemplating horrible things like rewatching all the doctor yeah i mean you could watch downton abbey <laughs> i could i i didn't jive with the servants' stories as much as I jive with them in Gilded Age. Yeah. I love the drama between the servants of the houses and they're just like across oh, the yeah, street. Oh, yeah, and they right? meet across the street yeah, all the time. Like, I'm obsessed with that. <laughs> I was obsessed with, you know, the chef who was actually from Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really so like funny. him. I really like him. Yeah. I don't know if I ship him with his with his ship but they are awfully cute so you know yeah i'm surprised there haven't been like upstairs downstairs romances on the show yet but i guess it's probably not as scandalous as it would be in downtown i don't know they thought that there was an upstairs downstairs happening with um mr oscar van ryan <laughs> And she didn't like that <laughs> <laughs> well that's that side of the street the that's other true. side of the street Probably Might wouldn't. be cool with it. Maybe? No. Mm, no. Bertha wouldn't be cool with it. Bertha would not be cool with it. <laughs> Bertha wants her, her prince, man. <laughs> My God. So other than that, um, Alex has watched all the movies. Yeah, I've watched a lot of, uh, I guess, like Oscar bait movies over the break. So I'm going to recount some of my favorites. I'm going to end with my favorite one. Um I watched The Holdovers at home because it became it came on to uh, streaming. I forget what streamer it was on. It's one of the P's. It's on one of the P's. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to see this in theaters, but there's just like too much coming out. And then I saw, oh, it's coming on streaming soon. I can wait. Um, and this was just like such a lovely film. Um, and comparing it to another one I saw, but in theaters, I saw The Iron Claw. And I think... I knew nothing about the Iron Claw going in except for the promotional. So I thought it was going to be more of a feel-good movie. The Holdovers is the feel-good movie that I wanted Iron Claw to be. So if you want something that's just like all like like a warm Christmas hug, The Holdovers is that. And it's, <laughs> I think, already a Christmas classic. Like it's just like that kind of movie. It's like basically takes place at a boys boarding school in Massachusetts and it's all the kids who don't get don't go home for Christmas so there's no one they they're either not wanted home their parents went on vacation there's nowhere to go back to so they stay over there's like four or five of them and then the one teacher who's responsible for taking care of them over the two weeks in this boarding school oh and it's like really, it was really, really surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Um, some really good performances in it, and really recommend it. And then, like I said, the Iron Claws on theaters, which was not what I expected, but I also loved it. It was I a tried, very sad movie. I tried to convince my family to go see that. Again, no, I also, it's good. No, it's probably good you didn't go see. It. Well, it's like so I, sad. I know. I also didn't know anything about it, but my stepdad knew about the family, and he mm-hmm. was the one who was, who was like, like, "That's gonna be sad." And I'm like, yeah. "But Jeremy Allen White." <laughs> it is a very tragic story. 
tragedy strikes his family, like the whole plot is like mm. they believe that their family's cursed because so much tragedy strikes them. Yeah. Acting performances for acting performances were amazing. Um Zach Efron put on the performance of his career. And wow. I think he should be nominated for awards. I'm not sure that that's going to happen, but I'm I'm hopeful that it'll put him in like higher regards in the future and more people are going to think to cast him and things because my god like he can act and i know he did a lot of like adult comedies post his like teenage years and like those are just kind of like raunchy comedies they're decent but like not necessarily like crazy good performances from him but oh my god can he be a dramatic actor he's so good that's awesome that's that's really good and then um Lily James was in it, and I oh, feel I didn't like know that. she plays like the same character she played in um, what was that movie? Baby the, Driver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she plays like the same character, but um, well, she that's was, good like, because she was, that movie is cursed now. No, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that movie is cursed. But yeah, she plays like a similar character. Um, Jeremy Allen White was really good in it, but Zac Efron was definitely the standout for that's sure. Awesome. And I also saw, so I did a double feature, actually. I saw The Boy and the Heron, and then I saw The Iron Claw. <laughs> we had to run <laughs> to the next theater. Just to um, sit there for 30 minutes during the previews. Um, We were actually late, so we didn't sit oh, through that many previews. Like, we, we were worried, because I think we only got out of Boy and the Heron 20 minutes after the starting time of The Iron Claw. Oh, <laughs> So then we sat through like 10 minutes of trailers. That's nice though. Yeah. Man, I I just know that I'm probably not going to get to see The Boy and the Heron in theaters unless I just like carve out some time and go. I really want to see it, but I know people have been on the fence. I really liked it. I thought okay. it was a really like classic Miyazaki kind of, you know, um, going from the real world, entering the fantastical world like it was very standard like in that Mm -hmm. way and then we also like got those fantastic dub performances Mm -hmm. especially from Robert Pattinson (laughs) but um another standout was Florence Pugh Florence Pugh was really good um trying to think who else Christian Bale I wonder if I could convince my friend wants to go see a movie and she gave me like a list of things that she wants to see and I wonder if instead I could like trick her into seeing the boy in the heron instead. <laughs> well, because out of her list What's on like, her list? So she's like it's you know like color purple, which I'm like, eh, okay. Um Ferrari, which I'm sorry. Oh, I don't I know. I can't. I'll I, maybe watch it at home. Maybe to be perfectly honest, Adam Driver has been giving you the ick lately. <laughs> Like, <laughs> he just has. Yeah. Um, Iron Claw, which, like, I do want to see Iron Claw, but. Yeah. I would, I really want to see The Boy in the Heron. Like, the last Miyazaki movie I watched was The Wind Rises, which was supposed to be his, his like, swan, swan, swan song. So, and that movie is, like, there's nothing fantastical about it. It's Japan during the war. Oh, know? this is also Japan. After the war. Well, that's when he grew up. Like, that was yeah. Miyazaki's childhood. So, it the beginning is very sad. The war part at the beginning mm-hmm. is sad. But yeah. then it turns into boy finds fantastical world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, it's a little bit more lighthearted, probably, than... <laughs> than Iron Claw. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> Iron Claw was very heavy but like i said i came out of it like crying so much but also like feeling like i just watched like a really impactful movie Mm. like really really good and like the jokes about it being like little women for men like (laughs) yes like the first part like the first like half before i guess starts getting really sad like definitely had that vibe yeah and then um i saw past lives this was my favorite uh, I think it's my favorite movie of the year. Uh, Greta Lee was just fantastic in this. And I don't want to, like, spoil much about this movie because I think that it'll just be great if you go into it not knowing that much. But um, definitely uh, 
people who are fans of like the red string of fate like will like this yeah i i it took me a minute to place that movie because like you and like our friends have been like talking about it but i do now like remember the trailers and it's kind of giving me a vibe of another movie that we really like that's animated yeah yeah um yeah yeah i mean to a certain extent Mm-hmm. But it's, like, it's probably a really good companion piece. Like, if you did, like, a double feature of those okay. two, it would be interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I've actually been in the mood to watch that movie lately. Yeah. But You'll really awesome like Past cry. Lives. You'll... Okay. Past Lives will make you cry, but not in the same way that Iron Claw would. I will have to put that on the docket for when we finish the sixth and seventh Paranormal Activities. <laughs> All right, so with that, um, we don't really have any news. Um, Nothing much has been going on lately. Um, We are moving into more higher public territory. The next novel comes out at the end of this month. Um, And in fact, Shadows of Starlight came out today as of recording the final Shadows of Starlight, which I will be reading probably later on. Um, But... We do have our Percy Jackson to talk about. And I found out that um, somebody I work with at my other job has never, ever read Percy Jackson before. So, of course, I had to lend him my much-loved Percy Jackson novels. So I do not have it with me this time to flip through to look at chapter titles like I did last time. But that's okay, because he's being educated now. Good, good. I'm definitely going to do a reread when this whole thing is over. I want to start my reread now. But I know that's going to, like, change the way I think about certain things. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to wait. Um, I'm on Mockingjay right now. And so when I finish Mockingjay, I'm going to watch the movies again. And then I'm going to How's Mockingjay re-read. going? Honestly, like, I, I'm, like, reading the series with, like, a brand new pair of eyes, I feel like. Like, I just noticed things that I didn't notice before. And... Thinking about it as, like, PETA is actually the main character, but unfortunately it's being told, like, from Katniss's perspective has been really interesting. Um, And so, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm understanding it more than I ever have. And, I mean, I haven't gotten to, like, the sad stuff with Mockingjay yet. Like, I'm only on, like, chapter eight, so I'm not too far. Um, But I'm really liking it right now and i haven't seen the movies i think i've only seen the movies like once so it's been a very long time so only oh my god that's that's kind of exciting though that you're gonna get to relive the movies through different eyes too here's my like worst hunger games hot take are you ready for this okay i'm not the biggest jennifer lawrence fan okay so like i i did not like her casting as cat actually i don't really like any of the casting except for like Hamish and Effie. I was gonna say like Effie's really good. Yeah. Um and what's her um stylist called? Oh Name? Cinna. Yeah, Cinna's perfect. Yeah. yeah. But like I I didn't like Gail's casting. I Josh Are Patterson you- has only <laughs> recently grown on me. Only re only recently. <laughs> I still do not picture him as PETA though. So but, like, I, I think I've only seen those movies, like, one time. So I am excited to, like, go back and watch them after I've read the books. I thought about mm-hmm. watching the first two already, but I don't want to. I want to finish everything first and then mm-hmm. go back and watch them. And Donald Donald Sutherland's good as Snow also. That's true. That is true. It's most, I guess it's just, like, the main three the, yeah. that get me. And, you know, you get Finnick later on. That is a perfect, I like that. <laughs> when I originally read the books, I didn't pick up on how young he was for some reason. And so ever since then, I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. I get it now. I get it now. Um, but anyway, yes, that's another 2012 obsession creeping back in here. So Percy Jackson, let's talk about this. The third episode, to me, has been my absolute favorite of the series. It was a really strong have. episode. We got a lot of character development, but like trio development Mm -hmm. the most trio development we've had obviously because they haven't they went on the request like all of the annabeth 
and Percy interactions have been so good. They have been so good. I do have some, I see some things though that make me really aware of like the current like romance climate though because people are saying that like oh Percibeth is so much better in the show than it is in the books and I'm like y'all they're 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 12 in those books (laughs) I you know what I I will agree with that especially in episode four Mm -hmm. I started noticing I'm like it feels like they're they're winking at the romance a lot they are they they really are but I kind of feel like the way that they're doing it works really mm-hmm. well because they're so in character. And I think another reason why you see it so much is because, like, the books are entirely from Percy's perspective. So he's not picking anything that up is, from Annabeth. That is true. He and, like, picks up nothing and, from like, her. The other thing is they are 12. So, like, even if Annabeth may not even understand how she's feeling, right? Yeah. Like, well, and, like, we're going into, so the fifth episode, like, is going to be the Tunnel of Love <gasps> as they go on their little side quest for yeah. Aries. And... They're, when they do that, they run into Aphrodite. Like, this is not a spoiler. But mm-hmm. <laughs> Percy's so stupid because Aphrodite's form changes depending on, like, who sees her and, like, what you're thinking. And, like, briefly, he's like, briefly, she reminded me of Annabeth. And then, like, keeps going, you know? <laughs> so, like, he's so dumb. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't know. That'll he be doesn't interesting know. to see how it looks visually. Yeah, everybody's been talking about who might be playing like we don't know who's playing her we don't know how they're gonna do it visually or anything like that um but i'm really excited about that i do think that episode three was so good because it had the time to do a lot whereas Mm -hmm. like episode four was so short it was really weird because episode two like we mentioned we felt like it was pace not as good as episode one like so much happened mm-hmm. and it was a longer episode but then compared to episode four why was it so short yeah i don't understand why it was so short because i feel like since episode two the pacing has been really good mm-hmm. but i feel like now there's a lot to do in episode five yeah like you could have added i guess they really wanted to end on a cliffhanger like, they wanted I, I that they so did. badly. They really they, did. And, yeah. like, so with these two episodes, they deviated from the books um, a little bit with each one. And my favorite deviation is how they portrayed Medusa. Um, mm-hmm. But they also She's deviated so cool. in the fourth episode with just how they come to be at the arch, like the St. Louis arch. Um, and, like, how, like, why Echidna is there and, like, things like that. And I think... It was a little strange. I don't know necessarily why they did it that way, but it still worked. I, I really feel like, though, instead of ending, you know, on that cliffhanger, they should have just gone ahead and done the underwater stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and ended it there. They were, like, they were so convinced they had to end on that cliffhanger and make the episode so short. Why? Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's so weird. But, I mean, it was a good like scene absolutely oh, i was struck by the fact that it looks so good like i was like wow like they filmed this underwater it doesn't <laughs> look like little mermaid <laughs> no, like listen i no, love I little mermaid I, I like love the live action little mermaid but like it doesn't look good like avatar like avatar they filmed like underwater right yeah, like yeah, things yeah. are yeah things were moving more naturally like hair especially mm-hmm um like well they did talk about he like um walker did shoot stuff underwater no but like i'm impressed i'm Mm -hmm. like good for you guys for doing this instead of just doing a soundstage like i I was like it looks really good it looked that scene looked really good because it was real i also loved how gross the water looked just because that really comes into i don't remember if it if it happens in that next scene or if it happens later on like he has to like clean up the rivers actually i think it's in the fifth book that he has to clean up the rivers um so like that's like a whole that's like a recurring thing with percy when he like falls into rivers like they're so disgusting you know and we're already seeing that a little bit because they they already even mentioned like the searcher's quest for pan like the god Mm -hmm. of the wild and like things like that um i really like how they're 
<laughs> organically it, bringing things up. Yeah, it is very organic, but it is also so clear to me that like there's not a thought in my mind that they're not going to get picked up for their all their seasons. But like if they didn't, they're doing so much legwork to set this up. Like they are yeah. really setting up. They talk so much about Thalia. They talk so much about like the big three, the way the gods are treated, like all of this. Like I see things where it's like, oh, that's leading to this thing in the second book. That's leading to this thing in the fourth book. That's leading to this thing in the fifth book. Like, But I can remember, did the films do that or no? Not really. Okay. No, the films didn't mention like Thalia like at all. Oh. No. As she wasn't a big thing until like later on. She's mentioned because obviously, you know, it's a big part of like Grover and Annabeth's past, but it has surprised me like how much they've focused on her. But I think it's also just to understand like Annabeth's backstory. Like you get that in the fourth episode. Like it's so important to know that she ran away from home at seven years old and that she came to camp so young. And so she is the way that she is because of this. And I put this in here. So like, the third episode, we visit the Garden Gnome Emporium. Um, I think the main thing here is, like you said, like we get so much trio work when they're on the bus. And I put Annabeth looks like she could kill you, but might be a cinnamon roll because she is that classic middle school age girl that is like mean because she doesn't know how to be friends with you. Yeah, that scene when she goes into like the gas station and she goes to buy candy for everyone and someone yeah. pointed out that it like she bought so much candy to try to get them to like her. I know, right? And she like was really thinking about it too, like what to buy and like yeah. what they think of her. And I, I feel like Leah pulls that off really well. Like you can tell that like she is really mean and like brusque or, or like she she comes off really strong, but you can tell just from like the look on her face that it it's because she's feeling like she's awkward she doesn't know how to be with either of them so she's just kind of being how she always has been i mean she she had such a rough childhood so different from percy's Mm -hmm. that like that's understandable yeah i think it'll be really really amazing to see as the series goes on which i definitely think we're gonna see going into episode five her walls come down as she like lets Percy in more um there's like a scene I think it's when they're like going to Vegas where she finally is like you know me and Percy are friends basically and like I think that'll be really nice to build towards and the whole like the tension around calling each other friends because of the prophecy from the Mm -hmm. oracle yeah. Well, like in the third episode, like Percy straight up was like, I picked Annabeth because she'll never be my friend. And then in the next episode, he is like on the verge of calling her my friend. Yeah. Well, he, he risks it all for her and for Grover. And that's to me like they're doing such a good job of showing their fatal flaws, which become important later on. Like every hero has a fatal flaw. And I, this is not a spoiler, but Annabeth's is hubris. Like, it is her pride. And it's all over her character. Like, she's so proud of the things that she does. She's so proud of being Athena's child. She's so proud of Athena. And that's being tested a lot. And then Percy's is his loyalty. And so, like, once he's decided that, like, he's going to be loyal to you, like, he will be to a fault, which was him literally going to sacrifice himself. Like, it's already just all over their character. And I love that they were already thinking about that. Like, we can't play them without them showing these flaws. I also love that Grover is literally, you know, the the scene in Glee when Santana and Quinn are fighting and Brittany's like, stop the violence. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's literally Grover. Yeah. I've never seen, like... <laughs> Arian is nailing Grover mm-hmm. so perfectly. That's my son. That is my 24-year-old yeah. son. And just like the whole, um, he gets like the big story in episode three with his uncle. Mm-hmm. And how, and then in episode four, you find out that that quest that his uncle was on was to go find Pen And mm-hmm. like how 
heavy that is on Grover. Mm-hmm. Like how it really like weighs on him. Well, and you have to think about it this way too. Like he basically failed his first time being a protector because he was Annabeth's protector. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I mean, he was Thalia, Luke, and Annabeth's protector. And he did not succeed in bringing all of them to Camp Half-Blood, which is very much weighing on him. And then when he brought in Percy, like, they lost Percy's mom. So, like, he's really it's trying to prove himself. Yeah. And I feel like I just never expected them to pay so much attention to Grover, which I don't know why I thought that. Like, I think it's because uh, even, like, as a fandom, like, not a lot of people talk about Grover, but they're really giving him his due and, like, even showing, like, the Council of Cloven Elders going ahead and mentioning Searchers and the quest for Pan. Like, all of that is extremely important for Grover's development. Mm-hmm. Um, So I'm glad they're spending this time with him. Like, I feel like... Annabeth, Grover, and Percy are definitely, like, a trio. Oh, it feels like a very true trio. Yeah. But then even individually, they feel so Mm -hmm. fleshed out and individual. But then being together is what is helping them succeed. Like, Mm -hmm. they need each other to get through. I'm sure also just, like, the people making this show at Disney, especially, like, the... I guess, like, the higher-ups looking at this and thinking that this could be their Harry Potter Mm -hmm. and seeing, like, how successful the trio is in Harry Potter that they felt like, you know, like, let's do this right. Like, let's have it a real trio. Yeah, and it it really, like, the chemistry between these three is so good. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so good. They definitely did a lot of, like, chemistry reads and, like, making sure that these three would get along and then in interviews like mm-hmm. they're like the same as their characters they're literally the same like walker and arian are so like hilarious together mm-hmm. and it makes me think about like in season two like arian's gonna get some real fun scenes but we're not gonna see the trio as much mm-hmm. so like i it, it's gonna be very interesting to see how that goes um and then like to round it all out percy is just so tired man Give him some juice. Oh my gosh, he needs he looks his mom. So, well, he looks so bad in episode four. Well, he's sick. He got. I know. Got, I know. Yeah. But he just like the makeup that they did on him. I was like really feeling. Well, remember bad. he joked that that was the day that they didn't have to do anything to his face. He joked that. Oh my god. <laughs> he's like, yeah. They were like, oh, you look good, and just sent me out there with no makeup. <laughs> he's like nailing perfectly that like Percy is a is an angry kid Mm -hmm. like he's he's so angry and like he feels very much like unwanted by the gods he feels like a pawn in their games it's very hard for him to hear how much annabeth loves you know athena when he has such a complicated relationship with his father Mm -hmm. and then somebody pointed out um the fact that annabeth was forsaken in the fifth episode, I plunged to my death um, by Athena, whereas Percy was saved by his father, even mm-hmm. though Percy is like, I want nothing to do with you. And Annabeth worships her mother. It just shows like how futile it all is. Yeah. And like, but also like how lucky Percy was to have like a mom give yeah. him such a good life before he had to go to camp. I know. Well, like, yeah, because like Annabeth, Annabeth did not have, have that. that. She did not have that. And later on, I love learning about Annabeth's parents and things like that, because you learn, like, how much of that was real and how much of that was a seven-year-old feeling like she was a problem as well, Um, because she had to deal with, like, you know, she's a demigod, so it's going to be a problem and there's, you know, going to be things after her. And she didn't have somebody like Sally Jackson who was, like, willing to do anything for her. And that's really, really sad. And, like, you think about all the other demigod children who probably have lives more like Annabeth than Percy with his mom. There are people who are hating on Sally Jackson. Have you seen this hate? No. Yeah. People are saying that she's horrible, that she's mean, that she's, like, all these things. And I'm like... What did she do? 
they just think like just from like her bullfighting episode and like the way that she talks and like somebody called her a bitch what yeah no like, but I, like you like even if you didn't know the books i don't see how you can be no. coming to that conclusion she was amazing in these episodes i guess like, like the only thing is they haven't explained why she chooses what's his face to be her boyfriend Gabe, yeah. Gabe. Like, that's the only thing that if you didn't read the books, you wouldn't. You won't but know. there's re- there's reasoning to it that you find out later. The only, like, negative thing you could probably say about her. But then there's, you know, there's backup information about it. The thing with Sally Jackson is, like, the one bad thing you could talk, like, say about her is that Gabe, like, her choosing Gabe. But then eventually you do find out why she chooses him mm-hmm. like i don't understand no like, why i don't would- either and especially later on when she's able to be that like mother figure that like annabeth always needed mm-hmm. um and that's like way later but seeing that as well like she's just that source of comfort and protection that so many demigods like miss out on and so percy having that and then having that to hold on to i think is another reason that he is so angry because he knows what it means to be loved and accepted and then to be told that like she's her love is not as important as like being the son of poseidon is not something that he's gonna take did um did the all the sally jackson haters hate that scene in the pool from episode four (laughs) i haven't seen that i thought it was i think it's interesting that they're adding these like flashback Flashbacks elements. Flashbacks and then having yeah. the younger actor in it more. Yeah. It's yeah, very like interesting. It. And that like that dream, he was little, like mm-hmm. he wasn't big. I love that they're doing the demigod dreams really well. Mm-hmm. Like, because that's just, just a thing with the books. All the demigods have them. It's like exactly how it's described in the book. Except it's the only thing it's missing is that I believe. A lot of the dreams he had was about these two figures that were fighting, and it was them over the bolt. And like later, you figure out like but who I guess those that characters could be represented. Repetitive, right? Like if yeah. you just keep seeing the same dream. I think so too. I like that they've done a figure that's talking to him, because mm-hmm. then later on, like when you figure out like who that voice is, it's gonna be like really insane. So I kind of think that brings us to what I think both of these episodes have in common, and it's what does it mean to be a monster and to be viewed as a monster? I love the story of Medusa, like the, you know, more modern story where it's, you see Medusa as a much more sympathetic character. And I really love the way they portrayed her in this because she was so terrifying and yet she was right, but she was still very terrifying and still like, they need they did what they had to do but she was right she wasn't mm-hmm. wrong definitely made the audience like feel for her more than in the book mm. well and she brought up something really important cuz like with medusa like poseidon and athena are major sh- characters in her story so the fact that the son of athena and the son of poseidon wander into her shop is very insane and i do th- I th- I've always thought it was interesting that she, in the book and then, of course, in the show, you know, like, she sides, like, with Percy because it was Athena that did this to her. But I like that they added in that she worshipped Athena and, like, she was always loyal to her. And yet she was punished for what somebody else did. And then in episode five, literally that happens to Annabeth. Annabeth is punished for something Percy did. Yeah. Like, that was wild to me when they said that, you know, Athena was angry and so she let the monster in because of Annabeth's impertinence and yet it was Percy's impertinence that insulted the gods. And, yeah, and and then because, I guess, like, Athena's pride... And like you said, for Annabeth, hubris is her weakness. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. At least he got to the river. 
He did. I was thinking about that the entire time he was up on that bridge because that's a bit of big meme with the fandom. How the heck did he make that jump? I have never known that that's what it looks like on top of the arch. I, I like he goes up there and I'm like, oh, those windows are really small. He's not going to jump. How could he jump? But he did still make it. I have always been picturing some kind of like bigger observation deck. Like that was even really cramped to fight the Chimera. <laughs> I really liked Echidna. And I think it was interesting. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned that they they changed it a little bit from the books. I remember in the books, they make it on the train fine. And they stop off on the train fine. And they make it to St. Louis. And they have like a, like basically like a layover type vibe. And Annabeth just wants to go see the arch because it is a temple of Athena and like all that kind of stuff. And they just kind of happen upon Echidna there. So I thought it was interesting that they changed it to her being on the train and, like, wanting her chimera to, like, hunt them. But they did kind of add, again, that layer of, like, she's the mother of monsters. Like, what makes her children any different from demigods when they cause the same amount of damage and they cause, like, the same amount of death? So, like, why is it different for them than it is for her monster children. And that is really interesting because, like, the gods send their children on quests to kill these monsters, and so she sent her child on a quest to kill these demigods. Like, it's not different. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't do it like that in the book? mm No, she's just kind of there. Like, they happen upon her. She's in the, ele- the elevator, and they kind of get the vibe through the mist that she's not okay. And then she realizes that they're demigods. Like, I love how much development they're putting into both, like, Echidna and then also Medusa. Like, really Mm -hmm. giving, like, these women, like, more agency than they had in the books, obviously. Yeah. Like, and I think we, we, we talked about that in, like, two weeks ago where we said, like, we feel like, um... Rick Riordan is, like, putting, I guess, like, improving upon what he had and, like, changing things for the better probably now that he's written more. He's learned a lot about writing, Mm -hmm. writing people from different backgrounds, and it's, like, showing in this series now. Yeah, absolutely. And, And I feel like it's all furthering this goal of showing that, like, they're not the real like problem like the problem is the gods and their disregard for their children because again like the whole point of it's you know it's percy jackson and the lightning thief this first one so it's you know who actually stole the bolt and you know why are we all blaming percy for it so it's they're just caught in basically this family drama and they're very even though they're blaming it on, you know, Percy. He's also so inconsequential to them that they can just do whatever they want with him. And I remember, like, that's something that you don't really feel in the book. Like, you f- you start to feel it, like, when they meet Ares, because that's the first time that, like, they've met a god face to face. But then you really feel it when they go into the underworld. Like, you know, these these people, like, these beings don't care about us at all. And there's so many demigods that they're just, like, they just keep breeding, like, yeah. these gods. Like, so there's, like, so many. Yeah, and I, I really like that. Like, I, that's something that I feel like you don't get from the books a lot. And mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see how they play that with Poseidon, because I kind of feel like Poseidon was always, like, Rick's exception. Like, oh, but Poseidon loves you and, like, tries to be a good dad, but, like, <laughs> he also doesn't, you know? Like, yes, he claims Percy, but, like, in this, they really show that it's, like, Percy had to do a lot to get his attention. And Percy's angry about it. And Percy's and angry. doesn't see him as a good father. No. He's very upset. and He's very angry. And so, like, knowing that we're going to get a flashback of him and Sally is going to be interesting. Wait, is the flashback when they meet? I don't know. I just know that they're going to be in it, like, both oh, of them. Oh, interesting. So, and, like, that's something we never see in the books. I mean, it's probably when they meet, because I'm assuming they don't see each other. 
they didn't see each other again after then, did they? Did they? I don't know. I mean, I know that I always remember that Poseidon speaks really highly of Sally Jackson because that was like his one time that he broke from the pact. That's what's interesting about the um, pact that the big three gods made, like to not have any more children. They all, Mm -hmm. except for Hades, (laughs) because Hades never broke, never broke it. (laughs) Um, But Zeus and Poseidon only broke it once. And is there no like contraception for gods? Uh, I don't think like they are really they that care. magical that like a barrier wouldn't work. Well, see, that's what's interesting because like with the female gods, they're just like, sure, you can have a baby. Here it is. Like like <laughs> Annabeth mentions, she's like, uh, it's a gift from Athena. Athena's like, I like you. Here's a thought from my mind. Here's the child. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but like with Sally, like no, I'd love to know. Yeah, they're I middle mean, grade books though, but like they are middle grade books. But that would have to mean that they were not practicing safe practices. True. Which like is that would make things so much easier for their packs if they were. So yeah. like, are Poseidon and Zeus just like that magical that no contraception works? Maybe it just there, nothing can hold back. Their the seed. seed. <laughs> well, I mean, Zeus, it is kind of funny, though, that Zeus, he breaks the pact twice, but it's with the same woman. So Has she to go back she, for a second time. Yeah, you have to go back for a second time. And then Poseidon, it was just the once. And Hades actually never broke the pact. It's just that they made the pact when he had children of the age that they would have been like, oh, we got to kill these guys now. So, which I'm also interested because apparently we're going to get some Easter eggs for them coming up as well. So next episode's a big episode. Like, we have to reconcile with Percy underwater with the Nereid. Yeah. Um, so it better be 60 minutes is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, it better be 60 minutes. It's like double this week. Well, because they have to do that. They have to meet, they have to meet Ares. They have to meet Aphrodite. They have to do the Tunnel of Love, which, like, there's a lot that happens with the Tunnel of Love. Because it's not just that. There's also, like, robot spiders and, like... Yeah. Well, I mean, they have been changing a few things. You never know what they'll remove, potentially. I'm pretty sure that's, like, one chapter. It's it's a God Buys Us Cheeseburgers, which I can't remember if that episode is... I think maybe this episode, the next episode is called a, We Take a Zebra to Vegas. And that's how that whole exchange ends. Because Aries is who gets them to Las Vegas. Like, he arranges the ride to Las Vegas in exchange for what they have to do for him. Yeah. If it's not 60 minutes, I'm going to riot. I will riot. <laughs> I will be upset. I Like, my issue when I started watching last night is I didn't even look at the timestamp. I had so heard, then, like, right before I so started. So then, like, my arms go up when it goes to the credits. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah. It just I mean, felt short. Like, I was like, what is going on? And I'm, like, pausing it to see, like, what how many minutes it's been. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> it's only half an hour. Yeah. I, I definitely think we're going to pick up some time because there is not a doubt in my mind that we are skipping the waterbed section. There's not a doubt in my mind that that is getting skipped. But, like, who knows? Would that be in the next episode? No, it would be... It's, like, one of the first things that happens when they get to L.A. Because they're looking for directions to how to get to the underworld. And they kind of get lured into this. So there's not a doubt in my mind that that is getting skipped. If that is in the show, I will be shocked. (laughs) I will be so shocked. How are they going to make him into a sympathetic, multi-layered monster? He wants them to be stretched out and be tall. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm excited to see Ares, though. I'm excited to see Hades as well when we finally get there. Because he was not good in the movie. However, the closer we get to the casino scene, the louder the casino fans get. <laughs> Listen, the casino scene in the movie is really good, but I don't think that's what it's going to be. I would. I do think it would be funny though if just faintly in the background, 
you can hear bad romance. I do think that would be funny. I hope they do that. That would be really, really funny. Maybe they used all their budget on logical, though. They might have. <laughs> what except, a thing to use your budget on. I did say, like, because we know that Olivia Rodrigo is a huge Percy Jackson fan. So maybe she yeah. just gifted it to, it to them. I, she needs to release the songs. Release the Percy Jackson songs. Maybe next season. That would be amazing. So is there anything else about episodes three and four that we need to hit on? I have one question about Percy Jackson. Okay. (laughs) Just all together. Like, why don't... (laughs) Do people... (laughs) Do people ever, like, call out incest on Annabeth and Percy? Oh, that's addressed in the book. It is? Yeah. I don't remember that. Percy is very worried about that at one point. And then how was it addressed? Basically, the god side doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because, like, okay, I have to say something. Yeah. Like, basically what they say is that, like, you would never date somebody from, like, your same cabin. Right? So, like, a the like... Uh, two Athena's so kids you're, would never. You're like related if you have the same ma- mother or father, but otherwise you're fine. Yeah, because That's I I really started thinking about it when Echidna was like, "Well, my great grandmother is, or my grandmother yeah. is your great grandmother." I'm like, technically, oh, yeah, they would be related. related. They are all related. Like I remember <laughs> specifically, like Percy gets like very worried about this. Like, in this, like, Annabeth just kind of offered up how she was born. But in the books, Percy asks, because he's, like, so confused on how Mm -hmm. Annabeth is a thing. Because she comes from a goddess, you know? Yeah. Um, But ultimately, like, that's what they talk about. They they say that, like, your god side doesn't really count. But it would be weird to like really, date somebody from your cabin. It so really they don't struck do that. me in episode four. Like it, it, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, because like you see your cabin mates as like your brothers and sisters, and technically mm-hmm. they're all cousins. Yeah, but they say that your DNA only really counts from your. Rick is just deciding things. So he is just deciding things. Well, because he. <laughs> I mean, he even introduced, because originally, like, you know, with Annabeth, she had, like, the the blonde hair, the gray eyes. All the Athena kids had the blonde hair, the gray eyes, mm-hmm. because it was, like, a thing from Athena, but then it had to be, like, mm, but do the gods have DNA? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they just get the DNA from their mortal parent, I guess? Yeah. So I guess it's, like, it's like um, asexual reproduction through budding, I guess. That's so interesting because then you get like all your chromosomes from one parent. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's, but that's how they rectify so, it. So like, does that, does that mean that you could potentially be a twin of your parent? Potentially. Like I know I mean, there's like yeah. recessive genes and stuff, but like potentially it could happen that you're almost like a clone. Yeah. I feel like that's, yeah. <laughs> I feel like ultimately Rick's like just don't think about. It. So okay, <laughs> my other question. Oh no, wait. Cause like, uh, well, okay. Well, like let me let me put it to you this way. You know, Percy has a a half brother who's a cyclops, and mm-hmm. technically every single horse is also a child of Poseidon. <laughs> you know (laughs) i want to know so the no what i was thinking about is how like a man's uh, um, the man is the deciding factor on if the baby is going to be female or male and like how that works when athena just presents a baby She decides, I guess. Yeah, because it was a thought. But that only works with Athena because Athena, that's how Athena was born. She was a thought from Zeus's mind. Mm. So it only works with Athena. But they don't explain it any other with any other god. They only explain it with them. 
I'm too, I'm thinking too hard about this. But like rightfully so. Was we it demand like, answers. Like, was it like drama in the fandom back in the day? Like that's what I'm also intrigued by. I don't know. Like I want to say I wasn't really like in the fandom like back in true. the day. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, so like I don't know, but I feel like it, it definitely comes up more than you would yeah. think in the like, books. I mean, considering how often Twitter is going calling out ships on incest, like I'm surprised I haven't seen anything. Like, <laughs> like what they're hating on Sally Jackson, they could be talking about incest. That's true. That's true. That is so unbelievably true. I mean, they could just be like Grover. Like Grover gets him a nice tree girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So I hope she's in the show. I don't know if she's in. Yes, she is. I think she's in the fourth one. I can't remember. But yeah, I, I think ultimately the recurrent answer is the DNA from your godly side doesn't count unless you're from the same. But God. unless the DNA means that you can breathe underwater. But that's magic, Alex. That's <laughs> magic. That's different. <laughs> Listen, this is also the, within the same canon, like God capital G still exists. And so do the Egyptian gods and the Norse gods. True. Like, like Annabeth's on Annabeth's side, like on her father's side, she has a cousin who's the child of a Norse god. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, <laughs> it is what it is, man. <laughs> anyway, I think that's going to do it for this episode of um, Lipstick and Lightsabers and the Demigod Dish. If you would like to keep the conversation going, you can find us pretty much always on Twitter or Instagram at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.